God, you have promised that where two or three are gathered in your name, you are there among them. And we trust your promises. So we know that you are here among us. We ask that you would open us up to your presence. That you would open our eyes and our ears, our hearts and our minds, that we would come alive to you in this place. And may the words of my mouth and the thoughts and meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing to you, God. You are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I'm going to let you all in on a secret for many pastors. Thanksgiving is one of our most favorite holidays. At least that's true of the two pastors that live in my house. And I suspect it's true for many others. You see, there is no sunrise Thanksgiving service. There is no midnight Thanksgiving Eve service. It is a completely service-free holiday. It's a chance for us to really be together, to have some actual downtime, an actual family meal around our table, an actual celebration. Today is also a celebration in the life of the church. It's Christ the King Sunday. Next Sunday is the first Sunday of Advent, when the church calendar begins again for the first time. Advent is the word beginning. So today is a New Year's Eve of sorts. It feels that way, doesn't it? Very festive. Christ the King Sunday, even for a church nerd like myself, is a little bit of a made-up holiday in the church's calendar. It's sort of like a pirate day, or chocolate chip cookie day, or my favorite that I found recently, increase your psychic powers day. As if I have some that I need to increase. But Christ the King Sunday is an opportunity for us to look toward the coming reign of Christ and to look around at the present reign of Christ. Christ the King Sunday was established by the Catholic Church as a feast day in 1925. The Pope at the time was concerned He was worried that people were becoming too nationalistic and too secular. The Pope then was concerned. Can you imagine how that Pope might feel now? The Pope wanted to establish a day that reminded people that Christ is the King. And it's a feast day. It's a day of celebration. It's a day when we celebrate Christ's power and majesty. And I wonder if we might benefit from that same reminder, a reminder that Christ is the king. This week in our house probably looks similar in your house. There will be time with family, lots of good food. Maybe you'll watch the parade or some football. And inevitably, there will be ads for Black Friday. A couple of years ago, there was an ad for Target's in-store credit card. 
And it used the tune of the Hallelujah Chorus. It went like this. Target red card, target red card. Hallelujah, hallelujah, target red card. It's a sale, hallelujah, target red card. Hallelujah, target red card? Hallelujah literally means chorus, say instead, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. The kingdom of this world is become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. So yes, I suspect that maybe we could stand to be reminded that Christ is the king. So today we're going to talk about kingdoms, about Christ's kingdom, and about other kingdoms. And our scripture lesson is from Ephesians. Listen now for the word of the Lord. I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, and for this reason I do not cease to give thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him, so that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe, according to the working of his great power. God put this power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he has put all things under his feet and has made him the head over all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. This is the word of God for the people of God. Now, we use the word kingdom in politics some today. There's the United Kingdom, or currently the United Kingdom, but by and large, we have lost a personal understanding of what that word means. But Paul wrote this letter under Roman occupation. Rome was ruled by Caesar, and, and you were beholden to do the same. Caesar's idea of kingdom was about power and military strength and domination. It was mostly about ego. And then in Ephesians, Paul gives this incredible description of Christ seated in glory. Not only seated in power, but above power, above all rule, above all dominion, above all authority. So what does it mean for Jesus' kingdom to not be from this world? What does it mean for Christ to rule and for all things to be under his feet? Well, the church has typically understood this in one of two ways. The first is that Jesus isn't king of this world. Jesus is king of the next. And because 
After all, Jesus is heavenly, not earthly. We will live like Jesus doesn't matter much now, but will matter more later. But this is problematic because that isn't what Jesus said. He said his kingdom wasn't from this world, not that his kingdom wasn't in this world. The second way that the church has traditionally understood this is to say that Jesus is king of heaven and he's taking over earth too and we're his followers so we better get to work taking things over on his behalf. But that doesn't sound quite right either because then the people who end up in control are us. One of these spiritualizes Jesus so much that he doesn't matter now, and the other triumphalizes him to such a state that we are the ones who become king instead. Neither of these are right. When we say that Christ is king, we say that Christ does indeed rule, and Christ does reign, and that as his followers, we participate in that reign. The Hallelujah Chorus, which I so lovely butchered just a while ago, is one movement in Handel's Messiah. It was composed in 1741, and the words to the Messiah were written by a man named Charles Jennings. His intention was to challenge those of his day who advocated for deism. Deism was a particular way of thinking that said that God did not act in the world. And so in response to this particular and very popular ideology of the day, Charles Jennings wrote this text. The Messiah was first performed in Dublin in 1742 and it was a charity benefit concert. The premiere of the Messiah sold so many tickets, it was requested that ladies not wear their hoop skirts so as to allow more room there in the concert hall. The performance benefited three charities, prisoners' debt relief, a local hospital, and a local free clinic. Debtor's prison in those days was terribly regressive. Let's say you got behind in business one month and you couldn't play, pay your supplier. You were put in debtor's prison until your family could come up with the money. But of course, once you were in prison, there was no way for you to earn money to repay the debt, and you were also required to pay for your stay in prison. The conditions were terrible, Many died from starvation or disease they caught from other prisoners. That first performance of Handel's Messiah raised enough money to free 142 indebted prisoners, in addition to making gifts to the other two charities. The attendees that night were participating in the reign of God. They were participants in the kingdom of Christ you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger. You invited me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and in prison and you visited me. They knew the truth of a king who said, I have come to proclaim good news to the poor. 
release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and to let the oppressed go free. When you walk in to most Protestant churches, like ours, you see a cross. But when you walk into most Eastern Orthodox churches, you see something different. You see an image of Christ Pantocrator. You know the image, even if you don't know it. Jesus stares directly out at you with wide and often quite stern-looking eyes. His outer robe is blue, symbolizing the majesty and mystery of God. And the tunic he wears underneath is red, symbolizing Jesus's shed blood. In a left hand, Jesus holds a Bible. And his right hand is raised to give a blessing with two fingers held up and the other three fingers held together, symbolizing the two natures of Christ, divine and human, and the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One pastor says this, the picture here could not be grander. And so here is a view of Jesus that maybe we do not often ponder. This is a Jesus who spans the galaxies. This is a Jesus who is behind every single speck of matter in the known universe. But this is also a Jesus who could hold the entire cosmos in the palm of his hand the way you or I hold a marble. The sum total of all the light that emanates from billions of galaxies is just a twinkle in Jesus' eye, and yet the details of that universe are known intimately by this same Jesus. This is finally a, G- a Christ. An image of that Jesus, Christ Pantocrator. The first is an icon. You can see there his hand raised in blessing. The next one is from the Church of the Holy Sepulchre in Jerusalem. You know the image even if you didn't know you knew it. The next is from the Hagia Sophia in Istanbul. And this last one is from a cathedral in Italy. On this day of celebration, on this Christ the King Sunday, I wonder, do you need to be reminded that Christ is King? Not the boss, not the clock, not the corporate ladder, not the pull of upward mobility, not the ruling party, not the minority party. Do you need to be reminded? I know I do because all too often I forget. All too often I act like Jesus the world to come, but I think it's up to me somehow to control this one. That if I just work a little harder, have things a little more together, give to just the right charity, somehow it will make everything okay. But when I get in that kind of place, It would be good for me to remember Charles Jennings' words from 1742. The kingdom of this world is become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. 
and he shall reign forever and ever. Christ is king. Hallelujah indeed. (laughs) 